forgot my axe, which nearly always happens, I am required to call upon my resources and work a little harder. Part of the appeal of camping is the challenge. Making it easy and convenient would defeat the purpose. We all contrive obstacles for ourselves. We do it so much that we sometimes forget that most, or all, of what we do is not necessary. We can justify many things we do that are beyond the minimum because we want something better for ourselves or others. We go to college so we can get a better sort of job, for example. Outdoor pursuits, and especially ultra-running, do not fit easily into this category. We go camping, hiking, climbing, running, kayaking, and skiing, even though they don't benefit us in tangible ways. These activities are tiring, risky, time-consuming, and often costly. They can also be thrilling, provide experiences during which we say we feel most alive. These activities are sometimes called extreme. Running a marathon is a good challenge. Running an ultra-marathon demonstrates something else, something about us. People gravitate to campfires like moths. The flames mesmerize us, dancing in tune with images from our mind's eye. Of course they do. Domesticating fire was likely a pivotal move for early humans and a vital tool for countless generations of our ancestors. The genetic instructions for building our minds were passed down from people who depended on fire for their survival. For hundreds of thousands of years, our ancestors lived in small nomadic groups. Hunting or gathering during the day, they likely assembled at night around temporary shelters and, of course, fires. Camping feels familiar because our minds are designed for environments like campgrounds. This is another surprising similarity between camping and running. It fits with our inherited dispositions. The more we learn about early humans, the more apparent it becomes that they were good at walking and running. Their quirky two-legged locomotion, combined with hairlessness, sweat glands, free hands to carry water, and vertical stature, helped them manage a major problem with constant exertion—getting too hot. Although the running habits of early humans did not preserve well in the archaeological record, we see the vestiges of our running heritage in several ancient cultures. The Japanese revered distance running. Long-distance running relays called ekidens command the kind of media attention that basketball, baseball, and football do in the United States. Monastic pilgrims to Enyaku Temple near Kyoto have been dubbed the Marathon Monks. They set out on spiritual quests requiring between 100 and 1,000 consecutive days of running about 31 miles each day. The Tarahumara of Mexico, the San of Southern Africa, Aboriginal Australians, and the Maasai of Kenya all have well-documented running cultures. The Tarahumara inhabitants of the Copper Canyons in Mexico were featured in Chris McDougall's exuberant book, Born to Run. The sense you get from the book is of a culture steeped in a run-for-its-own-sake mentality. 
By contrast, a short but dramatic clip from one of David Attenborough's life documentaries allows you to feel the necessity of running to our early forebears. The clip shows three sand tribesmen of the Kalahari Desert chasing a kudu on foot, a hunt that lasts eight hours. The search term persistence hunt will turn up that video in many places. The same search will also turn up the hypothesis that early humans likely depended on just such hunting techniques for the tens of thousands of years that elapsed between the onset of meat-eating among our ancestors and the invention of tools. One danger of identifying people who routinely run long distances is that we will first notice the differences between them and us. They are smaller or longer or darker, or more ancient than us. Indeed, genetic studies of the sands suggest they represent one of the most ancient African populations.